I had it three times now and you could make it a really proper pigeon. So if I have someone that I know is a proper, honest, genuine businessman, and I know that I have something that is of high impact for that person. So let's say I have something that I can do in three hours and I know that will save that person. 20, 50, $100,000. And these situations happen in consulting, right? Mm -hmm. So I would always just give it to them. And since I know that those people are genuine businessmen, they will try to give it back in a way, or they will try to get more out of it. At three different companies, I have started with, with, with a document of just how I would do it, basically giving all my secrets away. What is up, everyone? I'm your host, Chris, and you're listening to Nonlinear Season 2. We exclusively focus on bootstrappers, marketers, and community builders for the next 10 episodes. Now, I got a real banger to start out with. Julian Wagner, CEO of Skills Faster, a London-based bootstrapped edtech startup, came over to Berlin to talk me through his journey, his learnings, his productivity hacks, way of thinking, mental models and more. Yeah, I'm stunned by the episode. So I would say let's cut the talking and let's dive right in. Julian, pleasure to welcome you. Thank you for coming over to Berlin. Of course, I'm happy to be here. Thanks for the invitation. Yeah, man, this was super, super quick. So I reached out to a mutual friend of ours. He forwarded me to you and it was like within blink of an eye we had this connection going and he sent over a video with Jirov which you've done before which I found super super insightful and yeah man why don't you why don't you start with a brief recap of what you've done so far who you are what you're doing right now and why you're on this podcast yeah I'm I'm Julian uh, I've think I have a quite uncommon career trajectory I have started in corporate but seven years ago i decided to leave germany and travel the world for a bit because i had the opportunity to work remote back at the time i did a poker school that became the biggest online tournament poker school of the world raise your edge um, and then i did my next project which i'm still doing which is skills faster which is online education for applicable skills for everyone. We started with photography and uh, did then fitness. And we are now soon going to release a makeup course and a happiness course will be the one after it that is uh, pre at pre-production stage though. And over the next couple of years, this is my, my focus. And I think I have gathered in the last seven years quite some experience in remote work and i think that's what you want to talk about a little bit and also how to get started uh, with because something that's also very interesting we've talked about it before is that skills faster is fully bootstrapped so we have not raised any money uh, we have a very small team we have no office everybody works remote and also my previous job at Raise Your Edge was fully remote. So yeah, I've not been working in office for quite a while. Yeah, um, this is super cool. And I mean, so, so everything you're saying gives us so much opportunity to, to dive into. I mean, going fully digital nomad already seven years ago, I think this was 2016, 
probably, right? Yes, it was June 2016, I actually remember correctly. <laughs> exactly. Is, this is, uh, at this time, this is a very, it's not a very common move, right? No, it was not really, it wasn't really common back at the time. I remember that two or three years in, it became a, I think back at the time, I didn't know it's called the digital nomad. Mm-hmm. I was definitely not aware. I met some other people that were already doing it, but it was way, way less people than we have now. Yeah. Hey, I mean, to to fast forward here things and not really go into the nitty gritty detail, which you've already done in the in the episode with Giroth. Shout out to, to, to this one. We'll link it in the in Spotify and also YouTube. Mm-hmm. Um, there's plenty of uh, super interesting um, upfront information. Um, so you always say you started you started in corporate your career. It wasn't a real corporate, right? So it was a startup, and you acted as a marketing person, marketing director, or like. Yeah, I always say corporate, but it was a smaller company when I started there. It was I think twenty people working there, and when I left, it was about eighty. I'm not one hundred percent sure about the numbers. I worked there for about five years. And I say corporate because it was still, you know, an ordinary nine to five job. Uh, I had to go to an office and, you know, I, I saw a little bit of the culture that is happening in corporate. And I, I'm aware, though, that there are companies that are way more corporate and have mm-hmm. more strict regulations and a deeper corporate culture. I mean, you, were, you you mentioned in the previous, on the episode with Jerov, you give us lots of background around um, kind of dropping out of school. You just mentioned in a pre-conversation with us. I didn't drop out, I got no, kicked out. Kicked out. <laughs> yeah, I got kicked out uh, twice from school. What's being kicked out, by the way? Is it that they're not allowed to come back? So, yeah, no, at the first, at the first school, my grades were so bad that they didn't allow me to, to stay at that school. I then went to another school uh, that was actually for a, they were supposed to to help me help me better and be more challenging. But I had to uh, do the ninth class again, mm-hmm. and I was then there for the ninth and the tenth class, and then we were at the same point again where they were like, you know, you uh, you cannot stay at the school. Basically, they told my parents, um, yeah, Julian can't can't stay at the school. I then did my middle school. I then finished my middle school in a remote school also. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so okay. I just had to go there, I think, <laughs> five times a year. And then my A-levels, so the Abitur for German people, I did completely on my own, which is a possibility a lot of people are not aware of. Um, but basically in Hessen, you could just write the the ministerium that you want to write your A-levels and then you have to write for written exams and for oral exams and it's the same exams that everybody else has but they have three and two and then your your complete grades are based on those exams so I then had to learn with a friend for those exams and I got my A-levels as well I then started studying and and but I, but I stopped studying once I was working very actively already and, and you also studied remote right yeah of yeah. course <laughs> so you basically you you were already living as a digital nomad at least in some yeah things, so. I, I, I mean i've always been quite um i like to to learn things on my own i've always been very curious that's something that draws through my whole life and 
I really enjoyed. Like for me, that was not even, it was a nice challenge to do. It was not annoying to me. It, I didn't feel it bothering the way I found school. Like mm -hmm. school was just big, big pain and finishing A-levels or even studying. I liked studying, but it was just not worth it really. And I found working more, more fun. So you, you then educated yourself onto, so you, you basically taught yourself software engineering, right? I'm not, not software engineering. It's more web and app development. Mm -hmm. I learned uh, JavaScript. I started with JavaScript. I also learned PHP and of course, um, HTML and CSS. Uh, that was just also something I was just curious. That was fun for me to learn. I did it while, while in corporate. And when I had some free time, mm -hmm. I wanted to use my time. Um, so that's still still a big happiness island of me, uh, coding, and because this is the question, like that, that's why I just shed some light on the background I asked you to, is like how do you get from working for a regular startup in a marketing role to founding or being part of a big online poker school? This is like such a. It, it seems from the outside in, this is like a. You put your handbrake, you stay in the fifth gear, and it's like a yeah, time, yeah, the, you know? the, the fun thing is coding doesn't really have anything to do with that. I was working at startups since I was 16. Since, you know, I didn't go to school anymore. I, you know, my parents, of course, told me, yeah, you have to do something. So I got like my first internships. And I had actually my own kind of website when I was 16, which was a riddle website that I did with a friend. And it became very viral back in the day. Like it was just spread through all the forums, which was the main, you know, social media back in the day. Crowdseller? Yeah, uh -huh. right. Crowdseller. And it was like the hardest riddle of the internet that you cannot solve with Google or Wikipedia. And we had so many visitors on there and it was just like a fun project. And then we sold ads on there. So that was my first kind of entrepreneurial experience. And then... From then I went to another startup and then to the startup we just talked about. So I had definitely online marketing experience, but you have to realize that was back at the time where online marketing was not really a thing you could study. Like it was not even a thing. It was yeah. just like, um, it just came up. And then there was, I also played poker out of curiosity, not out of curiosity, but I played poker as a like semi-professional and I knew that I, to become better in poker, I knew that I had to find a mentor mm. and through some lucky connections, I knew one of the best poker players of the world, or I, I could get, get in contact with him and I was buying a hand review for him. And then I told yeah, what? him you were sorry? I was buying a hand review from him. Ah, okay. So just a review ah. for one specific hand. And then I How saw much his, is it? How much is a hand review? I think back at the day it was $30 or something, 30 euros. I think now with him, it would be, I don't know. I don't think he offers that. So you take a screenshot of the entire poker table online. Yeah, poker it's, a table? Hand, it's a hand history. So, so they can see all, he can see all actions that happened before okay. and all stack sizes and everything because everything matters. Okay. And then he says what what you did is wrong correct or wrong for that and that reasons and was it correct or wrong what you did I, it was totally wrong <laughs> <laughs> nice. um yeah it was really it was really bullshit. <laughs> and however i saw his website 
And I realized, hey, this guy is so good. And he has won a, he has won a tournament that had a buy-in, the biggest online tournament of all time. They had a buy-in of $100,000. It's mm. just a buy-in. Mm. And he won, like, I think, $1.5 million. And But his website sucked just from online marketing and conversion rate uh, standpoint. Mm. Mm -hmm. And you had to click, like, seven times to make a sale to actually purchase his, his course. And then I, I told him that I was like, Hey, like your website sucks. Maybe you want to coach me and I'm helping you with your website because paying him for coaching, I couldn't, I couldn't afford. And then we started a little bit like that and he really liked what I did. And then he said, Hey, you know, why don't you uh, fuck playing poker and just do this thing with me? I can offer you like shares. And then we I mean, that's, that's all, of course, quite uh, a quick recap, but then we started to, to build that company and, and it was just really successful. And I applied all online marketing learnings that, that I had, uh, collected in the, in the startup time before. And so we did affiliate marketing, Facebook ads. Um, you know, we, we improved the whole brand. We built up to social media, YouTube, Instagram, all these things. And um, we took a lot of the poker market that was not targeted by other poker companies back at the, back at the mm -hmm. day. So, yeah. And this is, it's super interesting to hear just now because you're always like, it's more or less the same business model, which yeah. you're playing with skills faster, just that it was very niche back then with poker, right? Like yeah, an expert exactly. business actually. Yeah, exactly. And then also it's, it's like all, you know, completely remote and, uh, not tangible. Actually, it's all, you know, videos and, or online poker, right? Yeah. So it was, it's completely free in, in terms of location and, and so, and, and it wasn't the conscious decision, a conscious choice that was really just what, what happened. Yeah, um, I just had to take a note because there's yeah. so many thoughts coming up when you're when you when you're speaking. Um, so so one of the points there was another one which I just now forgot. Uh, the other one is like you mentioned before that you were and you already spoke about this also in the in the prior episode about this um, successful people mindset, which yeah. I found like I listened to your episode I think twice because yeah. I found it super interesting. I have a couple of notes like a notion page as I nice. text you like it's. Digital, I think it's so value bomb heavy. It's, like, it's, it's so it's so funny because you know I'm just getting started with these podcasts, and if I wouldn't have those people around me that say that it's helpful, I wouldn't I would feel bad doing it, right? And to me, something seems very obvious, and uh, I'm I'm very happy that it's interesting or valuable for others. And I'm and some things I think are very valuable, and some people don't mm. don't care. So so it's it's always uh, nice to to get that feedback. And, uh... Yeah, t totally. And I mean, one of the points is, for instance, this, this, again, like the successful people mindset, which you back then said, so it's like, already what you now, what you what you now told me is that you basically asked him for coaching in, in, in exchange, but probably not even in the first in instance as an in exchange of, but you just provided him help for his online marketing. And then he gave it to you. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that's very interesting, because I had it three times now, and you could make it a really proper pitch. And I think I talked about that in the previous episode as well. So if I have someone that I know is a proper, honest, genuine businessman, and I know that I have something that is of high impact for that person. So let's say 
I have something that I can do in three hours and I know that will save that person 20, 50, $100,000. And these, these situations happen in consulting, right? Mm -hmm. So I would always just give it to them. And since I know that those people are genuine businessmen, they will try to give it back in a way, or they will try to get more out of it. So, yeah. So at three different companies, I have started with, with, with a document of just how I would do it, basically giving all my secrets away. Basically, I, I wrote it all down and I even told them, like, you can literally go to someone else yeah. and, and, and say, hey, do that and pay them whatever. You don't need me. Um, but people still want, wanted to work with me. And I mean, this is this is ultra valuable. And why? Because we also had this in the prior chat. You asked me, okay, Chris, what are you doing now? And I was like, okay, I'm probably, or I'm, I'm starting to sell my sales skills, which I've applied at Fedora with Rocket or at Google. I'm going to sell that those two companies and help them to like, to offer sales as a service. So what currently goes through my mind, of course, is then the question, okay, is there any type of upfront value I could provide them with them? Or is it literally, literally only with technical skills that you can I mean, actually I mean, I, I mean, there, there are small applications of that kind of approach already out there in marketing. So for example, you know, it all started with the, those free eBooks, you know, you sign up for that newsletter and you get the free eBooks. Mm -hmm. So then people read the eBook and, oh, the eBook's actually good. And then afterwards comes the pitch. So you could theoretically say something like, if you want, if you want to run a, a, an ad campaign for your own services, for example, you could just run an ad saying, Hey, you might qualify for uh, a free sales analysis. If you are, and then you, you, you you choose your target group, right? Has to be a company with at least, I don't know, 100 employees, um, 10 million in revenue. And then they sign up and then you give them a free analyze and say, hey, this you're doing that wrong, you're doing that wrong, you're doing that wrong. And then they come back and say, oh, that was very nice. Do you long, don't you want to sell us anything or something? And it was like, yeah, we're offering sales as a service for interest. This is something you're interested on. And then you have completely flipped the switch and they're coming, you know, chasing you. Yeah. Um, so that, of course, as, as all of these approaches needs to get tested, but that's something how you could how you could apply that as well. Or you could, you know, do the sales analysis and just pitch your services after that might work as well. Um, different kind of it, 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 it depends. Like you, you cannot, you cannot, I really hate if you generalize stuff too much mm -hmm. because, you know, that's actually the, the work that somebody like me needs to do when you need to look what, what works, you need to be aware of the different approaches and then just stick and double down to what works and don't be too emotionally invested in it. And, oh, it was my idea or it was somebody else's idea. Mm -hmm. So even when I, when I, when I run ads or I'm just getting passionate about something, but even when I do ads and then I ask the producer, Hey, is there any like favorite cut that you like most? Or I ask a talent, is there a favorite cut that you like the most? And so I get like four different minds in there. And then I just run them all and I'm happy. And like, like honestly, I'm the marketing, you know, professional. And on, honestly, I lose the most of the time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> usually, usually the other people um, have better ideas or a better feeling of what works and what, what doesn't work. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, you, you sh I really hate those generalizations with generalizations in the, in the marketing world a little bit where, because I see that very often all that you, in all the, also in the reels and you have to do it like that and you have to do it like that. 
And all of that are just like valid approaches. They're not wrong, mm -hmm. but they might not work for you. Yeah, yeah, it kills a bit innovation, right? Or it, or it, it basically, um, how do you say it? It takes the oxygen. It's a stick innovation. Yeah. So like, if you're up for testing and trying out different things, you're yeah. Sometimes, sometimes somebody that has never run an ad campaign has the better, best idea. Yeah, you, you, it, for, for, it's it's really, and even for viral content and for all that stuff, um, there of course there of course guidelines and tips to to do stuff better. But yeah, you should you shouldn't just blindly trust trust anyone. There was a panel in Miami where a lot of people asked, and a lot of those questions were kind of similar, where people asked, hey, I've heard this and this and this, but for me, and they took what they heard as a law, mm -hmm. while it should be treated as a reality. Mm -hmm. um, and there can be more realities. Mm -hmm. And so... Mm. So law, there's only one and reality is like yeah, many. Like it's not, it's like if they, if they say, yeah, you need to start your Black Friday early. It doesn't mean <laughs> that it's the right thing to do for you. Right. Yeah. It totally depends. You as a company owner, you have to know your audience and you have to understand them and then design your product and your offer and your marketing campaigns for them. Yeah. And that's the ultimate, that's the ultimate law yeah. and not, oh, you have to do it like that. Yeah. Got it. Hey, um, One point which is super prominent throughout the podcast episodes or throughout the vidcast episodes, which I've been recording, one uh, with Ariel Renou, a friend of mine who runs a an edtech company in Paris. So he basically records experts from the Silicon Valley, like the mm -hmm. Shazam founder, Waze founder, Lime founder, packages them in lessons and then sells them as an online MBA, right? Or mm -hmm. provides this online MBA structure. And why am I saying this? Because it's a nice intro to online education disrupting in-class in education. Yeah. So the paradigm in which you've been living in this yeah. new paradigm for like 10 years. And we've had this, or maybe do you want to give a, a top line because I, before I give you the first first real question then on this, yeah. Like, what do you think about this? I mean, to me, it's very obvious. I think over the last 20 to 30 years, information flow has tremendously information flow speed has tremendously improved. The speed of information is just tremendously faster. So the value of information and the landscape of skills and jobs also changes drastically. So let, let, let me actually rephrase that. So when 30 years ago, knowledge jobs were very rare, the most promising jobs because knowledge was not so easily accessible. Mm -hmm. But over the last 30 years, knowledge has become widely accessible and information moves faster than ever before. So the whole landscape changes faster and the skills needed on the market also change faster than ever before. So while, for example, in a midterm, it was important to access and use the information. Now it's almost even, we are already in another stage where the most important thing is to solve problems with information. And that's the most important skill that people nowadays have. And 
the traditional educational system is, is just too slow in implementing things. Like, like if there's something like, for example, how to use AI, like it's now three months old, right? How long does it take to, to be in a, in a university classroom or in school? Yeah. And it, it just takes a while because it has to go through a whole, whole process. Yeah. And when it's there, the market value of, of it already diminished. So I just think that it's just clear that online education has like a big advantage over there and over, over the traditional educational system. And I think that's, that's not even like a secret or a hot take anymore. I think a lot of people already see it like that. And a lot of people communicate that. I mean, like, like for me, it was, a. I understand that in your world, it's of course standard. Like, yeah. I mean, you did your A-levels remote 10 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, you in my world where I but it was still, it was still the, you know, the, the normal education. It was the normal education. Yes. But already with a variable of remote, it's like, yeah. which remote variables do you want to be switched on? And for you, it yeah. was location already yeah. things for me. Like, I mean, I studied like three years ago, I finished my degree in the U S which was still there, still in person. Then, of course, with COVID, we got removed from the location. Then, of course, it got a bit like it diminishes in value, of course, because you're not with the peers anymore and with the professors and stuff. However, it was like for me, one of the first time that I really got into, or I understood the detachment of like education and yeah, getting the value from it. Right. And then I really dove into it, like doing online classes by Reforge or Launch House or Community College by Greg Eisenberg, like all of this type of stuff. So um, I feel like the wave is really hitting the mainstream right now. Slowly, yeah. yeah, that might be true. I, I definitely, we are all in a bubble. So I might be, you know, a little bit in my bubble. You're the front running bubble, of course. Like my bubble. I mean, it depends if we go to the States, there are people more front running than I am for sure. There are people that have completely forsaken the traditional education system, but yeah, I just think what you need to learn to make money changes faster than ever before. So even online education can be outdated, right? But at least online education can be changed faster than traditional education. Yeah. Nice. There's less that there's, there's too much there. There's too much regulation in there. Too much processing in offline education. Yeah. yeah. Hey, now speaking about online education, something which we discussed briefly before is like, it always has the scammy touch still. Right. So when I got introduced into this paradigm or this world of like bootstrapping and stuff, which is heavy reliant on, on, on self-teaching and autodidactic learning. And um, you of course get confronted with many coaches, many experts, many yeah. other people and like friends from my old world were like, Chris, you're just entering they were basically saying, man, you lost your mind. Like you're, you're now, yeah, we should very watch very closely where you're going. Rather don't take this route. Like you'll, you'll be losing yourself. And then I like had to slowly like, or, or convince them or like just work into this paradigm and just understand, get to know the people, get to know the knowledge, double check the knowledge. It'd be like, no, like, like now four or five months after having entered this world, I can say, guys, they're legit. Like, of course you have to have your brain switched on and yeah. double check a couple of things. Yeah. However, it's like totally, totally legit. And this was mind blowing to me. Yeah. I mean, to be honest, I think the percentage of scam or wrong information is of course higher than it is in the traditional education system. So that's the upside of the whole regulation thing. But 
at this also it's not just all scammy and there's no truth to it there's a lot of value value in in those online education offers and i you know and i'm, I'm talking about these self-development offers that i don't even have so there's no nothing for me in there but 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 i just think from 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 the offers that are out there those people have not they really believe in that stuff and they look at or look around them and they talk to people that run businesses they see what works and they what they do is they translate it into education as fast as possible not as perfect as possible but as fast mm -hmm. as possible mm -hmm. and that's why they get so much back from the market because yeah. there is a value in there right yeah. and you know most of us believe the more you can give to the market the more you will get out so when i think somebody's making a lot of money uh, with like for example online courses i also think okay he, he must have you know a point or there must be something and sometimes it's not obvious uh but i think as a general principle it's just a good thing to have have you ever bought like any marketing courses or how do you educate yourself uh so wh when i learned marketing i there were there were like blogs out there i think it was search engine land they now renamed to marketing land it was a free platform it was basically driven by a lot of enthusiasts um and back at the day the search engine optimization was also very prominent facebook ads i just started the day they came out i think mm. so that was 2012 or yeah. something and then i was already quite high up with my knowledge now when something comes out like for example if TikTok releases a new format or facebook releases a new format i usually read whatever news they publish or what is the official news that comes out and try to interpret it in a way how can that be um applied in, in in business or for us and so i, I don't usually do too many third-party learning anymore mm -hmm. because that's what happened happens because i have you know over the years built a, a solid foundation which actually gets me to an interesting point usually all those companies operate in a way that benefits the user the most while at the same time is making them money mm -hmm so actually they do what makes them the most money and what makes them the most money is serving customers while offering ads so whenever you do social media optimization search and uh, social media optimization or even ads if you think about the customer the user you have a way easier time with all these changes you don't even have to be be up to date so if you just make it better for the user, like for example, a YouTube video, if you make it better for the user, if you make your content better for the user, it usually helps. And then they're, they're coming, they're coming more and more updates. And what those updates usually do is just rating better what's good for the user. Yeah. So you don't have to, you don't have to read every update. You don't have to be like up to like Instagram algorithm, right? TikTok algorithm. If just if you just focus on making it more digestible, better for the user, easier to digest. Why? why do they like when there's more uh, editing in there or if there is the information is more concise because it's easier to digest for the user right mm -hmm. so 
then there come all these updates and it happened with YouTube, it happened with Google, TikTok, Instagram. They continuously push updates that are more or less just rating better what's best for the user. So if you just say, hey, I'm working for the user, I'm optimizing my stuff, my ads for the user, I want to present my offer the best way possible, then usually you're quite update proven from my experience. Yeah, super cool. I really love the point of bringing in uh, the official updates from the companies, because I mean, this is now the, the first step of understanding, become getting into this new world, for instance, for me could be solely relying on online education. So again, using a filter, but you're saying, no, 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 no. The next or level after this should actually be to again, take all of the different information sources and first and foremost, probably trial and error by yourself and then come up with your own system around it and not just rely on, rely on other sources. And um, like, I mean, I, I can probably, uh, no, I probably know the answer to this question. What do you think is currently, or what's for you currently the marketing focus in terms of platforms and methodologies and stuff? Uh, actually, I think it depends again on where your audience is. So for some people, it might be uh, Instagram, for some people, it might be Facebook, for some it's TikTok, for some it's YouTube. What I know is that most successful companies I know usually serve one channel for, for the majority. So I think if you have a business and you want to do marketing efforts, think of which platforms are your, is your target audience the most on, and then try to optimize, learn how to optimize for that platform. That's what I would say as a general advice. Yeah, I, I love this in your last convo also, and also what my mentor usually says, it's like one thing, like one channel, one whatever, yeah. like one type of content. Uh, and then through this, you slowly tweak, tweak in what works and what doesn't. Um, let's, let's switch gears, Julian, now for a bit. So we've mentioned now a couple of times that you're like a, um, a titan in the remote space, <laughs> not a titan, but like you're a, you're native in the remote space. Let's call it this way. Uh, you've basically been playing the game since 10 years. So you have, so what I hear from many people, let's, let's put it this way is like when they are starting out and they're like, Chris, can I visit you in the WeWork? I'm like, yeah, of course I'll, I'll get you in and we'll spend a day there. And then they'll get back to me and I'm like, how can you actually work from home? Because they need the environment. They, they need the coffee machine. They need the people around them and stuff. And I think you've basically worked on your own in a room by yourself for, for the entire time. So let's look at this topic from a holistic perspective. Like how do you, not only from a routine perspective, like I sleep with a, a cooling mattress and I don't look at my phone and stuff, of course, but also like how do you actually make sure you remain in this world and you don't kind of like look for other ways to, to for instance, um, like, do you know what I mean? Yeah, I think, like I think books, I know. mentors, podcasts, like what yeah, keeps you I, in the space? I, I think I think I totally know what you mean. So I think the first big thing is you kind of have to review yourself. If there's nobody that is controlling you, you are very likely to get distracted or you might turn into a different direction easily. So if you... The, if you just do one thing, I think you should just review yourself either in the morning or the day after and ask yourself, hey, what I, did I actually do today that brought me closer to what I want to achieve? And then 
whatever it is, if that's going to a co-working space or working from home, you will know the answer to that because of course there are things differently for each other. I can see the benefit of having a working environment, but I can also see the downside of getting distracted too often. So what works for me might not work for, for other people. That said, I think the, what people have to focus on most is what I call work ethics, which is the more clean you do your work, the more clean your work will be in the future. So when you always have a clean desk and you always are in full focus when you do your work, your work in the future will also be more in the deep work zone. So let me actually draw an example of how it shouldn't go, which is if you start, if you, if you do your work and you're getting distracted all the time, you look at your phone, you look at a little bit on TikTok, on Instagram, and that is something you get used to. And then it is something you, you will keep doing over time. And that ethics is like hygiene, something that you just need to get into your system. So, and there are a couple of, of things, you know, it's keep your phone away from the desk. Um, don't even see it. There have been studies that even if it just is on a desk, you already lose some focus. Then there is visual cues. For example, a lot of coders use a hoodie to make a mm. more narrow, narrow down uh, view. Then your desktop, like my desktop nowadays is just like the recycle bin because I can't, I can't delete anything else. Um, and I have all notifications turned off. I don't check my, I don't get my emails uh, every second. There's no pop-up. Mm -hmm. There's no notification really on my, every message I get, I have to ask for. So either I take my phone, so I'm asking to get notified, but on my computer, there's no notification. So, um, that is kind of the work ethic that I build up for myself. Mm -hmm. And it really helps me to stay in the, in the deep work zone. And there are more things I could really go on and it would definitely like kill the, kill the size of that podcast. But there's also, how do you time your caffeine intake? How do you, what kind of software are you using? What kind of de devices are you using? Uh, and all that stuff. And you try, just try to make your work that is actually meaningful as frictionless and as, um, alone of distractions as possible. Mm -hmm. And then you can actually, and if you do that, you usually should come back at the day and then you should like, you should, you, you might be at the end of the day and you think, oh, I haven't actually done that much, but then you count what, what you did and you, oh, I actually did a lot. Mm -hmm. So. I think that is something that is really, really important for remote work. And what I think what is most people are struggling with, mm -hmm. because if they don't build up their work ethic, the same way they build like a body in the gym or mm -hmm. something else, they will never be able to actually do the work that is necessary for them to get a payout of the remote work. And they might actually be better off having a boss that's kicking their ass all the time, mm -hmm. because that is basically outsourcing your own work ethics. Nice. 
Um, how do you think about hours worked per day, days worked per week? Do you measure this or do you not care? No, I, I have something in my mind, you know, there's a little bit of that hard work mentality where I feel like I should work more. But when I'm honest with myself, the successful people I know nowadays don't really work a lot anymore. Like I know a lot of people that make a lot of money and they basically work maybe four hours a day. Mm -hmm. And I'm also, I think deep work, actually deep work, actually valuable work. I would find it really surprising if I know anyone that can on a consistent base do more than four hours of that work. Mm -hmm. I, if I, if I'm that good on a given day to be four hours in the zone and doing meaningful proper work at, at my highest performance, yeah. I'm dead after that. Mm -hmm. Like, like I won't be able to focus and I would, I would do a lot. Like I, I would do a lot if I would get two more hours out of that, but it seems really, really tough. And, and I also haven't found anyone that, that actually does it. Of course I can sit in front of the desk for eight hours and I might, you know, do some some accounting or some, you know, some emails at the evening. But in terms of deep, deep work, valuable work, I think the number is way lower. And I think fours is already a, a deep number uh, or a big number. And so, yeah, I think, I mean, that's also the nice thing. A lot of people that hang out with me would feel like I don't really work that much. Yeah. But the difference is like when I work, then I work. So then you get to double the payout. If you, if you do the work ethic thing I just talked about, yeah. you can do way much more work in less time and you will have more free time. So I think work ethic is just really, really important. Yeah, I get it. Super, super nice. Um, also a rather personal point here, like for instance, for me, it drove me I think it's been driving me into solopreneurship or entrepreneurship with a rather very small team uh, my entire life, but I've just r literally really acted up on it two years ago or one year ago, right? Quitting, going into those incubators and stuff. And then there's a couple of lessons I've learned um, of which the most important for me was like, publish what you're doing, speak about what you're doing, um, which is of course also the reason why we're doing this. Um, and another, like, and then there's two other struggles I've had. Like I've never had issues with working on my own, working highly focused, working the time. However, it's like identifying this one lever, this one thing you should be doing right now and literally hyper-focusing on this. This yeah. is number one and being, if because this defines effectivity, yeah. right? Like I've worked 12 hours on my own for yeah. like months. Yeah. But, I, but I just wrote pitch decks yeah. or like did customer interviews. Yeah. It's like literally what's the one thing maybe like if you have a... Yeah, I mean, if you do the most important task every day, yeah. you will you will be well well off in like three years. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah that, 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 that's a common uh, manager principle, I think. Like, of course, what I talked about was work ethic and, you know, it's being efficient and it's being like valuable, but... On top of that, you can definitely put a layer of, you know, first defining the work that actually needs to be done. And sometimes that is, and most of your work should be in stuff that you actually enjoy, but sometimes it's also just the work that you need to do. So I have to say, for example, for me, um, for me, publishing content and, and producing is not something that comes to me naturally the same way as coding does. 
but I know that in the world we have right now, um, being a little bit more public ha has a lot of benefits and that's why I'm giving it a chance. And even though it's sometimes uncomfortable and I have to, you know, jump over my own shadow, um, I'm, I'm, I'm doing it. And, but I can say from firsthand that I could have been way further ahead. I mean, I've done my first, first YouTube for first YouTube is like four years ago. Uh, um, so yeah, that's definitely a big thing as well, which belongs into like your regular review that we talked about before, like the journaling, when you, when you every morning or every evening ask yourself, Hey, what did I do today? How much, how impactful was it? What's my goal? Or was there something that I could have done better? But how do you do this? Because I do those reviews like daily and I like for me, the answer to the, so, so the, the question is basically, how do you get more intelligent answers to the question of am i effective i think i think that is just over time you know you 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 have to accept that you are horribly wrong most of the time and you uh -huh. just i heard it one i heard it as a physics joke um before that you know physics basically has been just wrong and then being less and less and less wrong mm. and if you would know exactly what you need to do the next three months, you would probably be like make a million in the next three months, mm -hmm. if you would, if you would know the answers, but you don't. So whatever you do right now, is just horribly wrong. So then though, every iteration of reviewing yourself, you will be a little bit less wrong. And then you kind of over time, get more and more of a stable foundation and you exchange your old mind models to newer ones. And that is the process of the whole kind of reviewing, you know, you play a day of life, you look at the day of life, how did I play it? Eagle-eyed perspective. Yeah. You say, oh, I did this good, I did this bad. That really got me distracted. That was not what I want to do. So let's not do that in the future. That was really good, let's do more of that. Yeah. And every day gets a little bit like better and you level up, you level up. Yeah. And, but you won't, you won't, you won't be, the, the, there's enough to improve for whole life. I can, I can tell you that. Yeah, totally. Um, I, one exercise which I've always wanted to, or not always wanted to do, but like been wanting to do since like three weeks or something, but I haven't done it yet, is like uh, setting a reminder for like every 20 minutes and just jotting down what am I doing, right? Yeah. So am I actually, I'm doing, I'm working with Pomodoro, so like yeah. always 45 minutes deep work and like a couple of long hours. Pomodoro, actually. Sorry? 45 is a long Pomodoro. 25 is a short, yeah, yeah. very good, all right, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, anyways, and... I want to set pings to actually check whether I'm doing yeah. the Pomodoro, right? Um, okay, so two more questions regarding this and then one last rather bigger topic. So another question regarding the remote work is like the social aspect. So have you ever needed the social exchange with people? Yeah, funny story. Actually, when I left Germany, I was a, I was a party host before. Ah, yeah. So I had a tons of social experience. But I, and I, and I thought I don't really need friends. Like I just thought I'm well off alone. And I just went to Malta and started working from there. There was another friend, uh, but I then realized quite, not quite soon, but I then realized over time that you actually need a social, we social creatures. So, so you need social circle. So really, I mean, even in your work, you should have contacts. You should talk to people. Everything doing alone just works for a specific amount of time. But the path to success is a lonely one, I, I would think, for most people. It's just too tough 
to find so many like-minded people and you have to prove to successful people that you have gone through that path. But that said, you can actually isolate your social life from work. Just because you need work and you need social life doesn't mean you have to mix it. So I wouldn't accept the argument that, for example, hey, I need to go to the office because I need social life. Then I would argue, yeah, but you can work and then do social life. You can actually do more social life. You focus on social life when you do social life and you focus on work when you do focus. The moment you mix it, you become less you become less effective of both. Yeah. So, and you get actually less out of it, right? So you, you might actually have more social life if you don't have your social life at work, because again, we come back to the point, you might do the same amount of work. You do eight hours in office, you might do that too. So you can meet somebody for, for sports. You can even go out if you, if that's what you want to do. Right. Yeah. And um, is there, Yeah, okay, no, but but we'll, we'll bring this as the next point. By the way, super cool points here, which we didn't drop yet, that you play paddle in the uh, second Bundesliga, right? Second yeah. or third, yeah, super yeah. nice. And the, I also love the partying as uh, the party organization aspect, which you yeah. said. Um, but anyway, I think we don't have the time to, unfortunately, dive deeper. Yeah, maybe we can do another episode. One yeah, day. yeah. Also, also, of course, always happy to do it remote if it's uh, if yeah. it works. A um, super dear question for me is like vision creation for you like have you ever created a personal have you sat down and been like okay i want to achieve this and that i want to be rather abstract this in three I, or five I, years? I, I've, i've done that not as religiously as other people have done it but i also don't say that it's not the right thing to do that might be something that actually might be better for for me as well i have been rather less stringent about these kind of visualization and plans and I have been more focused on just doing the work in front of me and doing my having my daily reviews because what I personally experienced was when I had those plans and I then didn't stick, stick to the plans I lost motivation so I rather decided to be a man of my word and don't plan too much And just like, okay, I'm doing regular reviews. At the moment, I'm doing like video reviews to myself every day. And, same. and yeah, so, and then, but, but, but there's no, I don't even have the same kind of question that I ask myself. It's basically just like imagining like big brothers watching me. And I'm like, you know, today I did, or yesterday I did this, this and this and this. This was really aligned with what I want to be. And it was not aligned. So that's basically my own, only kind of structure in these things. Um, else I'm quite structureless to be honest and I have not done done too deep visualization things yeah got it I mean it's been it's been uh, working right yeah I mean but but you you don't know like I could be at a different point if I would have done these techniques so I, I'm not I just for this I'm not giving out a, a proper advice because I don't feel confident enough that it's the right thing to do to, yeah, <laughs> to yeah. not visualize Yeah. There might be a lot of benefit in it. Yeah. Um, then let's let's open up the final topic. It's like the VC world versus the agency world. It's a journey I've been going through now. You it's not a, the bootstrap world, the, right? Uh, sorry, sorry. Yeah. Not agency world. Yeah. Oh, just a, a subset of the bootstrap world. Yeah. Um, 
it's not versus, right? Let's not put it into this yeah. weird frame, but it's yeah. kind of like, yeah. How do you think about this, this uh, paradigm and landscape? Yeah, I, I think the VC, like, like just recently, you know, a lot of AI software became widely available. So for a lot of people that know how to use it, the productivity just immensely increased and a lot of jobs you had to, to give out in the past, you don't need to anymore. And I always felt that with like super qualified powerhouse kind of people, uh, you did don't need as much money as in the, the VC world gives out. I, from what I've seen, the kind of brute force tactic, while I don't know if in the grand scheme, these things still work out, I can see that in the macro, I, I just can see that a lot of money is wasted. And for example, for a lot of things you don't need, like, so, so for example, a lot of times people get like, let's say 200 grand to, to, to build a company, right? Which is something that maybe just three coders could do from home. Mm -hmm. So how much money do you need for them? Mm -hmm. Which could be like just 20 grand for three months, right? Mm -hmm. um, and those people could also, there, there's something, you know, there's also a marketing aspect in there. There is, if it gets a high valuation at the start, there's also like those VCs need a big share. So then if it is it really interesting for them, so, so it's a really, really complicated topic, but I think what is the big takeaway here is that people that might want to get started with a company don't necessarily need VC money anymore. Like you can do way much more stuff on your own and you can come to a way later stage to the VC uh, play field and say, Hey, we have this already, you know, we have a user base already. We have, we have already, you know, uh, paying customers. And now we want to do this and this and this, and that's what we, what we need the money for. And then, of course, that will be very interesting for, 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 for VCs. And I've personally, all those companies have been bootstrapped. I have never raised any money um, because I never needed. And yeah, so I definitely don't think it's necessary. And I, I'm really curious of how it's going to go by the next couple of years. I think you can go to market faster than ever before. I still feel like I have no idea about the market. Um, you need to put it out there, try to get to market as fast as possible and then get feedback and then, you know, improve or, 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 or kill depending on how the feedback is. And I think that's actually the most promising way to do it, in my opinion. Yeah, got it. Super nice. Uh, Julian, it's been an hour and I think we are we are slowly approaching the end and it's time for a classical a rapid fire question round. Let's go into the into a very new format I've never tried out before, which is like, what are your three, top three messages right now in WhatsApp or Telegram or maybe even Gmail or email? Um, yeah, I, I have a business, business WhatsApp and a normal WhatsApp, so I can look at the business WhatsApp See if there's something interesting. Like it's just a proxy for what's up in your mind or what's happening right now. Um, so there's something really interesting. Uh, we have um, 
I think you're trying to just get random stuff out there. What's something really nice that we have is that we have uh, we have a little tool that is automatically transcribing all voice messages on, on my mm, business WhatsApp. Nice. Because it takes a lot of time to to listen to them and reading is just way faster. And now with AI, that works. Unfortunately, it's not a, not the software that I can um, share. Yeah, I can share it, but it's a GitHub repo. We can put up the link, but it's actually quite, uh, you know, you need to know how to run your own server mm -hmm. to, to to use it the same way we use it. Um, so that was just, you know, I texted my partner that I that, that he needs to respond um, to, to one of our experts because I have to come to the podcast, so I don't have enough time. Mm -hmm. I asked him, so we, we're going to respond to him faster. And I didn't have time to formulate it the way because it was... Uh, that it needed to be, then it was like our social media manager um, asking for help on a on an Instagram request, and then it was for for a mag magazine of Greg. Um, there was just an uh, not an issue, but um, I just had to send out the news subscribers. Greg is the dude you're doing the East Coast faster with the photographer, right? Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Um, okay, super nice. And then number two is like you, you are, I think a very big topic for you is focus and, and, uh, input, like being conscious about the input, like what you put into your brain. Yeah. So who do you follow on Instagram or YouTube or that, 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 that's actually a funny question because I usually follow some experts for a bit and then I can see that their content is repeating, which is fair. Right. Then I unfollow them mm. <laughs> because I just feel like it's distracting me again. But what's interesting to me, uh, what's interesting also is that now my Instagram reels, as well as my, my TikTok, when I use it, it's now it's, it's all kind of just the stuff I'm interested in. Like, like to me, it's not like dancing women or, or stuff or, yeah. or too much funny stuff to me. It's either motivation or, or AI stuff or something. Not 100%, but a lot of it is really is, is really stuff. And sometimes I just want to like watch something dumb and then I have fucking, fucking algorithms. <laughs> it's too, too motivating. Then you, you like make your algorithm. Dirty yeah, I need, I, need, I need to make two algorithms. One for for uh, funny, stupid content and one for, <laughs> yeah, yeah. One for, for real stuff. Self-development. Yeah. Hey, and then last one is like, how do you stay up to date with whatever is happening? Uh, good question. Like not with the news, but with like, how do you remain upfront with the skills which you actually need? Honestly, to me, it's just new technical releases. So I'm look what reading Hacker News every day, mm. Y Combinator. Mm -hmm. It usually is the first kind of place where innovations get published. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So when there are new AI improvements, they are like like big, reasonable improvements that are not just like reframe stuff. It's 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 on there. Um, I have subscribed to one newsletter for a bit, which was a um, AI newsletter. But I then also felt like there was just you know there are so many AI softwares out there, and basically you can do it all with ChatGPT with proper prompting. And now they have released those personas. I then also follow Uberman Lab, actually. Mm -hmm. you know, um, that's always very useful content. And you also, you know, you could also think like that was something that we talked about before, right? 
he very often puts out his podcast and then he puts out the podcast, the, the main learnings in one reel. That's 30 seconds. And like, oh, nobody's going to listen to your podcast. Mm -hmm. But but that's not true. Somehow, somehow it it is still the best thing for his brand. And that's like it helped him a lot. He has like one of the biggest podcasts of the world. So yeah, there's there's Uberman. And then of course, if there's something happening in Facebook or Apple or stuff like that, I usually just read it by someone else. If it's not, somebody's not telling, if nobody's telling me, it probably wasn't that important. Mm -hmm. But if there's like, for example, the Facebook, Facebook, Instagram is soon gonna offer a subscription service um, instead of ads, that's something quite uh, impactful. Uh, yeah, and then I will I will read it from some some person. Some people will talk to me about it. Yeah, yeah, makes sense. Hey, maybe closing up or final question. It's like, um, don't know if it's a best final question, but I just wanted to ask it to you. Like, what's been the role of mentorship in your journey so far? I honestly wish I would have had more mentor mentors. I had always experts in specific fields that I also found online. So for example, with coding, I went to IRC channels and there were like JavaScript gurus that taught me no good coding. And so I heard a lot of stuff, you know, uh, all, all the best practices. I had then, uh, I talked about it last time, um, that mentor at my first startup that I'm still working with, who's now my partner, um, who has taught me a lot of, you know, life wisdom, how to... Um, how to strengthen ground for yourself, how to handle other people, how to navigate in, in the real world from a strategic aspect, um, uh, and also how to handle myself in bad and in good situations. Very wise person. Um, I then also, Greg, for example, is a big idol for me, also in terms of work ethic. This guy is doing a lot and he's still hungry. He has amounted to so much already and he's still hungry and doing more and more. So I look at people that have achieved something that I want to achieve and then I, I try to to learn from them. But if possible, I would take more mentors and have a closer relationship with them. Um, but yeah, somehow I have not found found it too easily. Yeah, yeah, got it. Hey, uh, I'm also seeing that the laptop battery is running low. So maybe do you okay. want to do a quick shout out, a shout out or anything um, which you maybe also would, would like to, I don't know, put out to the audience? Honestly, I think we, we covered quite a lot. I think there's something about it. If anybody has any questions to something, they can leave a comment. I might, uh, you know, I might make some YouTube videos in the future. I can dive into uh, something something uh, more deeply in a youtube video if, if that's something that's interested interesting um but yeah it, it was a pleasure Same. thanks for having me again yeah thank you very much man see you see next you time see you next time thanks for listening to nonlinear if you like the content subscribe to this podcast on spotify follow me on linkedin or twitter that's at I am Krishi 3, 3 as the number and Krishi with S-C-H-I. Reach out on any of the platforms if you have comments, questions or just want to chat. 